Goog's house. Wait, we got multiple episodes on a Monday? Hoops starts a historic season today. Football had a historically bad weekend over the weekend. Oh, and wait, the Astros and... Welcome to Locked On Cougs, daily podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Park Angel, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater can't stop by, please be sure to hit subscribe and download the podcast each day for the latest on the Cougs all year long. If you're subscribed, our show should pop up on your feed each day, so be sure to make Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day. Today, yes, we're giving you two options of what to listen to. Here, you'll find the full breakdown of the Houston Cougar football game, which we trialed up I-45 to lose a football game 77-63 to to the SMU Ponies. Yes, that's an actual football score. If you want some happier vibes, please check the same feed you found this in and tap the basketball preview. Houston's ranked number three in the preseason AP poll. It looks to have a much better basketball season than football one. And if you're really into the Cougs today, please be sure to download and listen to both. Here on the Football Recap. We're going to break things down with an offense side of the ball first. What? Yeah, there's some problems with the offense, even though they scored 63 points, as crazy as that sounds. They almost spent a whole segment talking about the defense's troubles, and there were plenty of those as they gave up 77 points to the SMU Mustangs. In the third segment, we're going to try and look at any positive takeaways I could find. But speaking of takeaways, let's talk offense, because I think if you're looking at this game as a whole... That's got to be the biggest red flag of the offense, right? So to read some stat lines for you, Clayton Toon, quarterback Clayton Toon, was 36 of 53. That's good for roughly 68% passing. That's pretty strong as far as college quarterbacks go. (laughs) He threw seven touchdowns, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven touchdowns, but managed to just have a QBR of 89.3 because of three very costly interceptions. Now, two of those interceptions in the first half led directly to SMU scores, right? Uh, Not necessarily, like, I guess, in the interception itself. They did not get run back, but cornerback Nick Roberts of the SMU Mustangs caught more passes from Clayton Toon than, like, our own Christian Trahan, our tight end, did, right? Like, that is not necessarily a great thing. And again, on both those interceptions, the offense of SMU wanted to score touchdowns. And we'll talk more about how SMU scored all of their touchdowns in our second segment, talking about the defense. But generally speaking, in these kind of shootout games that Houston has played a lot of times, bluntly, in the last, like, 15 years, to go back to, like, look at the first time Holgerson came through the U of H you got to score a lot of points, and I understand that 63 points is a lot of points, but in going tit for tat, you can't turn the ball over. It's like going jab for jab and then just refusing to jab at some point, right? That's not going to work very well. The other thing I think is interesting in this is like the interceptions were like not... (laughs) They weren't great balls, and I know that sounds weird because one of them was a tip ball, right? So Clayton Toon tried to hit wide receiver Keyshawn Carter over the middle on like a skinny post, although it was a little bit flatter than a skinny post, and it kind of got bobbled, and actually Nick Roberts picked it off kind of down around his own knees. And I think it's interesting that like if you watch the clip, like Keyshawn Carter clearly has no idea the ball's been intercepted until the guy is like 20 yards away from him right down the sideline, and you know... Should that have been a catch if it hits our guy in the hands? I I guess. I think most wide receiver coaches would probably criticize their guys on that. But I I have to say that it wasn't, like, very well placed. And, and frankly, there's a lot of room for Keyshawn in front of him to run if he just put the ball out in front of him a little bit more. And so I, I, I worry that the ball was behind him in a way that kind of slowed him down and leads to a bobbled ball and leads to a pick. The second pick itself, also thrown to Nick Roberts, was bluntly a badly thrown ball, right? It went behind... 
I believe it was Keyshawn Carter again, actually. They ran like a little like scissors concept with the middle crosser, and the middle crosser sat down in the middle of the field. Um, and so wide receiver Keyshawn Carter sits down in the middle of the field, and Toon like stares him down and throws him the ball. And it's just late. Like the, he's been sitting there too long for that pass to happen in the middle of the field. And Nick Roberts just undercuts and takes it almost the house. Like to Toon's credit, I guess he, he does make the play and tackle a save or being a defensive touchdown, gives the defense a, a chance. But at the end of the day, you don't want your offense throwing the ball to the wrong team. I don't, I don't think that that's a crazy thing to ask for i think what's interesting here is that like a lot of the offense kind of had career days across the board i mean wide receiver tank dell the guy we're thinking is going to be in the nfl draft this spring had 13 catches for 180 yards and two touchdowns including one big 41 yard bomb right Keyshawn carter the guy we're trying to get on both his interception plays got his own eight catches for 136 yards and a touchdown matthew golden a young freshman got five catches for 105 yards and a touchdown sam brown a name that's been really big in the last few weeks had six catches for 54 yards and two touchdowns right Stacy Sneak gets the ball four times out of the, as a pass catcher out of the backfield, right? Like, these are guys that you think are having, like, career type of days, and that's how you get to 63 points. However, when you look at, like, a quarterback rating in a 63-point game with seven touchdowns of 89.3, without breaking down, like, the math on how the quarterback rating statistic functions, that indicates poorly timed interceptions that lead to big gains for the defense, and that's exactly what happened, right? Now, I think what's interesting here is that, like, Houston, you could argue if their defense had just kept SMU out of the end zone 11 times that maybe it's okay. Maybe those things work themselves out. And frankly, down the stretch, it kind of felt like it was going to. I mean, Houston got a big-time onside kick. They almost got the onside kick to uh, the kick before that, actually. But Houston scores and gets the onside kick. And frankly, it's kind of driving on SMU and has a man open in the back of the end zone before Clayton Toon throws his third interception directly to SMU cornerback Jahari Rogers. Now, I think what's interesting on that is, is like, he just needed to put more air under the football, right? He had a man open the back of the end zone, and I think the deal there is just if you put a little bit more air under the ball, he, he gets the ball to the right spot. Now, interestingly enough, it's not like he was under a lot of pressure this game. I think SMU had a total of four hurries and two sacks, which, like, sounds like a lot until you remember that, like, Houston dropped back 53 times put to throw the football. Like, on the whole... Getting 49 clean dropbacks off like they did is impressive in a college football game, especially when you realize like SMU had a lot more snaps, right? And so suddenly you start putting math together. It's like it's not like Clayton Toon was under an immense amount of pressure. And frankly, they were clearly scared of his legs down the stretch, right? He had 12 carries for 111 yards and his own touchdown. And frankly, if you were watching the SMU defense, I thought it was interesting that fairly early on for the pass-happy Houston offense, SMU defense was still trying to spy and make sure Toon did not run away with this game because much of his running was frankly done in the first quarter and like the big 55-yard run was a drawn-up quarterback run play and that's certainly one thing but it's interesting to see like the majority of his other 60-yard rushing were on drop-back passes that he kind of found his way out of and to be critical of this offense is one thing because again they put up 63 points but it's a lot harder to turn the ball over when you're running and I feel like one of the things I remember talking about you, with you last week was that I thought a big strength of their game was going to be Clayton Toon running the football. We'd seen SMU have trouble with running quarterbacks in the past, both at UCF and, and TCU, I guess I should say. And I, I just, I, I'm stumbling with my words because I don't understand why that wasn't like the drawn up quarterback run plays weren't a bigger part of the offensive game plan, right? Like at the end of the day, like A, it clearly helps Toon's mentality. He got up there and was like running the ball really, really well right away, like just pounding the rock over and over and over again. And I feel like that kind of got him off to a good start when we're going tit for tat in the first quarter. In the second quarter, he throws the pick, 
and then they come back the next offensive play and run, throws a pick again. I, I don't know that that's what I call there. I probably, like, I guess there's part of me that's like, oh, well, you got to make sure the kid knows you have faith and whatever. But at the end of the day, my job is to make sure I'm getting him to be the most successful guy he can. And I get that confidence swagger back with, like, a quarterback power, right? Like, I, I, I just, that, that not to say that there was no swagger the rest of the night. Again, that they scored 63 points. There's a lot of things to, like, not be critical. A lot of things that went really well for the offense. Um, but at the end of the day, I just feel like, you know, that's not how I would have done it. And all that quarterback run stuff would also have slowed down the SMU offense because it kind of keeps them off the field, right? It turns clock, it eats up time, it eats up snaps, and those kinds of things. And I feel like that would have also helped out your defense, would have slowed down things for your defense. But coaching this team is not my job, but it may be a job posted someday on LinkedIn Jobs. Now, these days, every potential new hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Now, I'm not saying that we need to put Dan Holgerson's job up on LinkedIn Jobs, but if we were going to, it would be done by putting the hashtag HiringPurpleFrame around the LinkedIn profile and spreading the word that Houston was hiring. So you can do the same with your business as well. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experiences so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus our leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege. It's linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, so now it's time to talk about where the ugly side of the football seemed to be. And I guess that's really ugly to you and I as Houston people, but I'm sure SMU is in run talking about how great it looks like when SMU had the ball Houston was in a world of hurt. Now, this is a game that saw 20 touchdowns scored between two teams. If you're just doing some basic, basic math on that, in a 60-minute game, that's an average of a touchdown every three minutes. And frankly, it felt like more often than that as we watch it. it there was a lull in the third quarter where people were not scoring touchdowns. The touchdowns were happening so, so fast. We can get into like the idea of like big plays and like less than three-minute drives and how all of that was happening. But I think it's interesting here that like Houston had a lot of trouble at corners covering guys over the top. It looked like to me Houston was like baited into cheating up on some of their over the top deeper, you know, prevent type coverages. And you saw a lot of guys just wide open, butt naked in the end zone. And I, I say that like somewhat jokingly, but like if Rasheed Rice had wanted to, I think on his second touchdown, he might have had time to like take off his shoulder pads and jersey, catch the ball in the end zone, and then, like, celebrate, like, with a t-shirt on. Like, I think it's really had that much time in the end zone before we caught the football. And and I think what's interesting here is that, like, I thought going into the game, we're going to have trouble with Rasheed Rice, right? And I assumed there'd be some sort of a bending of the defense to get it done. But outside, like, he had nine catches. But across the board after that, it was fairly balanced. You had, they had a guy with three catches, another guy with three catches, guy with four catches, another guy with four catches, guy with two catches, two catches. Like, they were just kind of spread out. It was just kind of whatever... Mordecai and the SMU offense wanted to do and that to me indicates some like problems schematically because that's not like Rasheed Rice is just a pro football player and we had trouble covering him right if we're looking at the pro football focused defensive individual grades on coverage now this is the statistics that were like typically it's like where are you are you in the right place at the right time and generally speaking like in the American conference like being over 65 is good being over a 70 is pretty good and being in like the high 70s and 80s is like really really stinking good right and then like game your life kind of thing will be in your 90s um I, i'd imagine we probably put tanner mordecai into the 90s in this game across most statistical categories but if i'm looking at like our coverage guys on the same statistical measure cornerback hassan hippolyte 
you know, 44% of the time is in the right place. Our cornerback, Jace Rogers, 45% of the time is in the right place. Nickel corner, Art Green, 46% of the time is in the right place. As much as I love Mooten, the linebacker, you know, as an inside linebacker, he is going to have to cover some guys in the slot sometimes, those kinds of things, and he is only in the right place in pass coverage 55% of the time, right? We even dropped back some defensive ends trying to get some like short stuff taken care of, and we couldn't capture it. What was interesting is that, like, these were all really, really quick passes, right? And so, like, I, I don't know that a pass rush was necessarily super effective because Houston's pass rush has been their staple to this point. Now, they don't always get the most sacks. They certainly get a lot of uh, hurries and those kinds of things. And Houston only had two hur- hurries as a defense. And that, to me, is why I really, really am worried about the schematic thing because guys were open really, really short or open really, really early. Now, I guess some of the balls, like, were in the air for 30 yards, but, like, on a fade route to cut into the corner or, like, a corner route or whatever, you're cutting past the corner. Like, typically, those can be catch, step, throw if you're a quarterback reading the defense and the defensive guy is just not going to make it to that spot in that amount of time. And so they were able to get the ball out really, really quickly. Sometimes they were on short throws, um, but, but getting the ball out really, really quickly to where Houston and Sac Avenue, as a defensive front, only had one sack from De'Anthony Jones. Now, I thought De'Anthony Jones' sack was a big, big play for this team, and frankly, it was a really, really, like, good game for him as a whole. If we're going to continue to grade out things over the course of the game, like, De'Anthony Jones played very well, or as well as a defensive lineman could, I guess, in a game where they give up 77 points. But I thought it was interesting that, like, A, obviously the ter- two turnovers talked about second with the Houston offense put them in some pretty short fields, but then B, it felt like, Tanner Mordecai was going to score however he wanted to for SMU, right? The SMU quarterback himself had a career day. He had uh, 379 yards and nine touchdown passes. I think what's interesting there is if you're looking at, like, the math on things, and maybe you're thinking I'm doing too much math, but in 379 yards to throw nine touchdown passes implies that they were really, really short touchdown passes. They also had a bunch of yards on the ground, right? Uh, They're fullback type guy Levine had 25 carries for 146 yards and a touchdown I think what's kind of you know hard to read there is if you're looking at the way the timing of when those carries and and yards happened the the truth is is Houston had gone to nickel and dime coverage type things to try and slow down the SMU offense and so then this fullback bruiser turns and from goes from being a pass blocker turns into a rusher and all of a sudden Houston's got not just not the right bodies on the field and so I, I think at that point the game the defensive game plan had kind of been tossed out out the window so I, I don't say want to say like, like giving them a like, too much or too little credit for that that just felt like at that point when they're doing that in the start of the fourth quarter, late third quarter, uh, a lot of his carries are happening, including a touchdown having because Houston's trying to find a way to cover everyone at that point in the game. And they just, it's like, you know, playing chess at that point. They've taken your rook and you're trying to figure out what the next move is, trying to get their bishop. And they end up, while you're trying to take their bishop, taking away your knight. Or like those kinds of things happen, right? And that's just the chess moves of it. The the thing that's alarming to me at a more like coaching level is a there are people calling I mean we're recording this on a Sunday there are people recalling for Doug Belt's job by halftime last night when Houston gave up 56 points at halftime by all indications I cannot find a game where Houston has given up more than 56 points or close to that I guess they gave up 49 a couple different times you got to think if Houston you know in the down years when they're a mid major program has typically been on the bad end of like that early preseason game for the 
power five type teams. And so you've seen Houston give up like 49 points a couple times, it looks like, by halftime. And then frankly, the other team just running the ball down the stretch of the end, just like 49 to seven or something like that. Um, that was not this game. Uh, first of all, it's 56 to 35. And so it's technically just a three score game and a game where Houston had only stopped themselves on offense. And so like Houston was going to get the ball to start the half. And like, it didn't feel like it was too far out of reach at 56 at halftime after giving up 56 at halftime. And the thing is that like it, it, it was just going to be a high-scoring affair. I mean, it was 56-35 at halftime, finished at 77-63. to 63. Again, there was a lull of scoring in the third quarter, and it was just it was just basketball and turf in the sense that, like, this run-and-gun SMU offense was just going to find ways to get edges and find holes and find gaps. And that's why the schematic thing that worries me the most is actually in the red zone. Now, I know not all of SMU's offensive touchdowns, I mean, they had, like I said, 11 of them. It's not like all of them were in the red zone, but when SMU did get to the red zone, the thing that worried me the absolute positively most was it felt like we never had any answer for a sprint out pass, right? Uh, it was sometimes play action where, you know, you fake zone left, run sprint out pass right, and you have like a little slant arrow that opens up a tight end or, uh, you know, a China route, which you have the hitch on the outside and the corner around the inside and, and those kind of things open up. They had, you know, a number of t- touchdown throws to tight ends. Um, but that's that's not... That's not something that you can't prepare for, right? Like, it's one thing to see that in the first quarter. Oh, we hadn't seen that all year. We ready for it or whatever. But, like, as a defensive coordinator, you've got to have some sort of an option or some sort of way to take that kind of stuff away and force the ball on a sprint out back to where you got a quarterback throwing across his body or he's got to go try and run in the end zone himself. And, like, you hope you get a hit on him and make him take some punishment for that over the course of it, right? The, the goal there has to be to make him make a hard throw across the field on the run or to punish him for running the football himself. And and I don't think Houston was ever able to do that. Now, Mordecai did get in the end zone once on these kinds of runs, and so I guess that would be the time where someone would be like, well, Parker, they did that. But on the whole, because they were in the red zone a lot, we got to see a lot of different reps of this, and I don't think Houston was able to stop the zone, fake zone or play action. Maybe it was an RPO. Who knows? But the zone raid one way, play uh, sprint out pass the other way one single time. There's a couple SMU drops, and then there's a bunch of SMU scores, and that really, really concerns me moving forward because with this game, I guess you just like flush it and put it down the drain and never, ever see it again. But the truth is, is that like at, at the end of the day, football is a copycat game, and teams will see that that's a way you can exploit the Houston defense. And it's just like blunt schematics. They couldn't fix it by the end of the game. And they saw it over and over and over again. And I know I know that they scored in more than one way. And I, again, they scored 11 touchdowns. I'm not trying to say that all of them happened in one way. But sometimes, like, you know, as much as I want to say we can double and triple, like, Rasheed Rice is a pro, right? That's going to happen. And I said last week that I think Mordecai is going to have some of that, like, spunk on a Saturday night in Dallas. It's a rivalry game, and it's the last one in the American Conference, those kind of things. And that's going to kind of feed into him, and he certainly had that kind of magic working. But that wasn't the only—that doesn't lead to 77 points, right? There's a schematic flaw there, and I don't know why that was— the case and frankly i love coach bell he's very insightful when we listen to him in media availabilities i think he's had some very good adjustments we talked about how great he was in the memphis game earlier this year right and like dialing up with some halftime adjustments i I don't know why nothing happened in this game the only adjustment was to go to more of a dime and nickel type personnel as the game went on and as we alluded to earlier that was kind of the downfall and when they started running it down houston's throat now all that said it's a copycat sport I feel like Houston will probably be favored throughout the rest of their schedule in the regular season. So, like, maybe from a talent perspective, the copycat thing does not matter. 
But if they are a better favorite this season, you'll be able to find it at betonline.net. Betonline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Cougs will be favoring a lot of those games. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis every game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information and live betting with up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way. Check in on all your favorite events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. For next weekend's game, lines are already out, and they got Houston as a 20-point favorite at home against the Temple Owls. We'll be previewing that game later this week, but I'm saying take Houston and the points. I think that one's a blowout. I think the Houston offense continues to roll. We just saw them score 63 points, and I don't think the Temple offense has anything like the 77 points we just saw. So I'm saying take the Cougs. I'm saying take the overall over because it's set at 59.5 right now. I'm saying make sure you place your bets at betonline.net where the game starts. All right, so here in the third segment, we're going to try and find or talk about some positives from an embarrassing game of the weekend. I guess one positive is that Houston's going to be in the record books, right? This is the official highest scoring game in Division I football history. No, I'm getting, you're shaking your head. No, that's not something you're going to think is a positive from this. Uh, I, I think that's what's interesting here is Houston did find some stuff that worked on offense. Obviously, they put up 63 points. They found ways to get Tank Dell, the football, as a wide receiver, out against a coverage that knew he was catching the ball. He had 13 catches. Again, the entire SMU defense knew we were trying to get him the ball. It was nice to get him the ball a lot and often. Uh, the other thing I think on the receiver core that was a positive takeaway from this game is that Matthew Golden is back, and man, oh man, is he back. Five catches for 105 yards and a touchdown, and he was really, really crisp. He was a great red zone option. I feel like I can fairly comfortably say that he's going to be fighting with Sam Brown a lot for like that third most catches, third most targets type spot, and competition breeds the best. And so that's a good thing. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's also a good thing for next year's team when Tank Dell is in the NFL and looking at like other receivers to step up and find their way. Um, I got to say, I also think Stacey Sneed finding his way as a pass catcher out of the back, but running back Stacey Sneed, I need to point out, finding a way to catch the ball out of the backfield. I think that helps utilize a lot more. It was not just screen game. It was a lot of swing and that kind of stuff too. I think that's very, very important. Um, If I'm looking at some other things like Clayton Toon not being under pressure, that's a good thing because the SMU defensive line can get after a little bit. And Houston had some of their best pass blocking days as a front five on Saturday. I think that's worth pointing out. Like shout out like for all of the problems that happened across the board on the defense and the turnovers and so on. Tyler Johnson, Patrick Paul, Jack Freeman, Lance Robinson, Cameron Johnson all had big time days up front. And we need to make sure we give the big five guys, the five big guys, big five guys, give those guys their flowers. Pass blocking for 64 snaps per pro football focus is not easy especially when the other team knows you have to do it for like the vast majority of those snaps and so I think that that's something we have to talk about and prop up and build on is like one of the big things in going to the big 12 next year is going to be how the big fellas play and I kind of feel like they played okay on on Saturday now obviously Clayton Toon being able to move around a little bit helped a lot (laughs) Um, but that, that doesn't mean by any stretch that he had to, right? He had plenty of time in the pocket. Uh, bluntly, the throws that went to the wrong team were just bad throws. And I don't mean that to like down, you know, down talk Clayton too terribly much. He threw seven touchdowns, um, but I, I do think that at the end of the day, like that's that's just the kind of thing that like it was on him, not on some sometimes like interceptions like that can be on the 
five big guys because the guy is getting hit while he throws or or whatever. And that was really, really much more on Clayton. The five guys up front played very, very strongly. Schematically on offense, I want to say that I really, really enjoyed some of these scissor out concepts where they're like crossing at the low end and like finishing at like more like a streak or a fader at the top end uh, that Houston ran from their wide receivers and again got tuned to get the ball down low. It really like negated some press coverage in ways they're trying to cover up tank. And frankly, there was one time Houston ran it with like a, a switch route underneath a scissor type route where they crisscross early and they start to run phase and then turn them into like deep hitches. And then Houston hit a deep Kishon Carter from the other side of the field coming across the top. And I thought that was a brilliant play call. Again, Houston scored 63 points. There were some really, really great plays. On that play in particular, Keyshawn Carter himself made a phenomenal catch where he like stole what should have been another interception. Don't tell Clayton. Uh, stole the ball away from SMU's defender. I think it was like number one or something on SMU's defense. But he just ripped that out of his hands. Um, just again, they scored 63 points. There's some great, great things happening on offense in that football game if we can just hold on the ball and not turn it over. Uh, I, I will say that if I'm looking for like trying to find a positive on the defense it's really really difficult right like i don't we didn't cover the tight end on any of this like you know short inner inner working mesh route kind of concepts at the goal line or anything like that i, I will say that it's nice to have d'anthony jones back he he's had a couple rough games as of late and i guess he and dot Wonkwo did play fairly strong up front now dot is not a pass rusher so it, it was kind of hard for him he's just a solid nose tackle takes up double teams but because Houston was having to only send four, he got doubled every play and, and won enough snaps. So I think you can't necessarily put all the defensive fault on him by any stretch. So I guess I could give gold stars and, and helmet stickers or what have you and the defense side of the ball to those two guys. But outside of that, I, I don't mean to be a, a jerk, but I, don't, I have trouble finding a whole lot. And I, I try to be a positive guy with this defense, but man, man, oh man, like, as a whole, there was some ugly play. Like, Chamarcus Cheeks was in the wrong spots a, a lot, right? Latrell Bankston, defensive lineman, he was on some of this run stuff in the third quarter. When you're rewatching the tape, he's in the wrong spot a lot. And there's a lot of work for Doug Belk to do between now and next week. And so maybe one of the positives will be, like, as they get ready for Temple next week, what's, what's that look like, right? What does it look like they have that kind of stuff fixed or not? We'll be following that and the basketball team and all things Houston Cougars all week long. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. Again, remember, there's also a basketball preview out there that came out at the exact same time. So if you want some more positive vibes, because this football game was not the most positive, make sure you go check that out because the basketball is going to have a fun fun season. If you want to talk about any of it, make sure you find me on Twitter at Paintworth512. That's P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H 512 on Twitter. I'll be happy to talk all things Cougs, talk all things Houston Rockets. I love the Rockets. I love, love, love the Rockets. Make sure we talk all things Houston Astros. They just won the World Series, and that's a fun thing to talk about as well. <laughs> that made for a you know fun Saturday night after this is all over. And we talk all things Houston sports in general, even the Texans, as depressing as they may be. Everything for a second listen of the day, and you don't listen to basketball preview let me recommend going out and checking our friends at locked on astros they just won the world series it's a fun time to be an astros fan and i saw i saw and heard wheelhouse talking about over the weekend that this is the start of several in a row for the astros and so go hear him talk about all those things thank you much for downloading and subscribing make sure you make us your first listen each and every day here at locked on cougs locked on cougs is a part of the locked on podcast network your team every day go cougs